Good morning, and grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, today we enter into our second week now in our series, No Offense, being able to look at our viewpoint as Christians in the world and not taking offense to the things that we see and just reacting, but instead being able to take these things in and appropriately respond to others as Jesus would have us respond. A lot of the content that we have was taken uh, from this book that's called Unoffendable by Brant Hansen. Uh, a couple people in the first service said that they picked this up. Again, short read. It's pretty good. You should check it out. want to make sure we give him uh, credit for being able to spark this idea in Pastor Mark as he put this series together. But we remember today, uh, it's not this book, or any other book written just by man that gives us our foundation for our sermon today. It's actually the Word of God, the Bible that we look to today. We remember that in all things. And so let's go to that reading that Ed opened up with us for today, uh, our reading from the book of Ephesians that gives us really the foundation of where we're going to go in today's message. Paul writes these words to us. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. So let's speak truthfully uh, to begin with. If you remember last week, Pastor Mark talked about that we are supposed to lower our expectations of others. So today, instead of coming out and saying this is going to be a fantastic sermon, let's just say it's going to be okay, right? Let's start there, and then we can just go up from there. Really, talking about our expectations, though, remember, we are one body. When Paul writes these words to this church in Ephesus and to our church today, he is talking specifically to Christians, that we are united, that we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that we are not to be able to feud against one another, we're not supposed to break each other down, but also we are supposed to interact in this world with others in the exact same way when we talk to our neighbor. This is a calling that we have, not to be offended by things that happen in this world, but instead, again, to be able to take these things in and to be able to respond to our neighbor. Remember what our goal is, to be able to share Jesus with others so that in the final days of our life, when we reach heaven, there will be more people there because of the efforts God has used in our lives. One body, all of us working together. But it's difficult, I know. Especially when you're dealing with people. In fact, today that is the title of our message. It's dealing with those people. You know who those people are, do you not? All of us have those people in our lives. Maybe for some of us, uh, it's our in-laws. It might be. Maybe for some of us, it's people of a different political party. It might be. Maybe for some of us, uh, those people are the neighbors that play the music too loud all the time, too late. Maybe some of those people are the telemarketers or scammers that are always coming after you and bothering you. Maybe for some of you, those people are, it's that neighbor that parks his car in front of your house and not in front of theirs, that guy is the worst. What is it? Who are those people in your life? And why do we become offended by all these things? All those people that we deal with are the people that Jesus dealt with too. He knows exactly what it's like to be able to interact 
with people. And just to be truthful, we have been those people to others at many points in our life as well. Think about all the people that Jesus interacted with. Think about the woman at the well that was caught up in adultery with multiple different people. But Jesus talks with her, and he meets with her, and he loves her. Think about maybe it's Saul, the one who writes our text for today, known as Paul, as his name has changed. One who goes out, and he's actually persecuting Christians. But Jesus still meets him exactly where he is at, and he loves him too. Maybe it's Matthew, the, the tax collector. This guy's the, the worst. He's like the original IRS agent going after the people, and nobody likes him. But Jesus, he goes and he talks with him, and he meets with him, and he loves him too. You see, Jesus has dealt with all of those people as well, and he calls us to be able to deal with them in our world. Jesus doesn't look at any of these people and their sin is so scandalous or they've done so many things for so long over such a long period of time that he pushes them aside and he casts them out. No, he takes each and every one of them to heart and he forms a relationship with them. And we are called to do the same. Now, this isn't to say that in this life we will not get angry. It's going to happen. In fact, it said so in our text for today. In fact, uh, on average, each of us are said to become angry at least once a day. Most of us get angry on average at least once a day. Most of us, on average, get frustrated three times a day. Usually about three times a day throughout your life, you will get frustrated with something. And so because we know that, that we are going to be angry, that we are going to be frustrated, let's look to see what Scripture has to be able to tell us about this subject matter for today. Paul tells us, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. So we got kind of three do nots in there, right? You see them? Uh, they're pretty simplistic. Number one, in your anger, do not sin. Again, it doesn't say do not become angry. In your anger, it's going to happen, probably to all of us once today, if it hasn't already, do not sin. What does that look like? Well, anger is uh, maybe that little verbal dust-up that happens with maybe your son or daughter or spouse. And when that happens, anger maybe births. Maybe it becomes this little element of frustration that gets worse and worse and worse. Maybe it's that time you were in uh, Costco's parking lot, and that person, you know they took your parking spot. That was your parking spot. And sometimes you know, it's not hard to be able to see on the news how those things escalate from one thing to another, how frustration leads to anger, and that anger leads to horrific sin. Maybe it's just in the most simple things. Do you know 50% of people on this earth say that they've seen a family fight during the game of a Monopoly? I'm not making that up. I actually read a, one of the news articles I read about it this week said, uh, a uh, family fight during Monopoly leads to police going after the suspects. Think about that. How bad was that? It's supposed to be a, a time of fun with your friends, with your, your family, but we get so frustrated that we want to win this game with this silly fake money and plastic homes. But is it so different than our regular life of all those other things that we want to go after and get frustrated over? Do not do that. 
Think about our text from last week when we heard those great words of being slow to become angry, of being slow to speak, and being quick to be able to listen to others. In your anger, do not sin. Second do not that Paul gives to us. He says, do not let the sun go down on you while you are still angry. Do not let the sun go down on you while you are still angry. I assume most of us here have had a loaf of bread that's gone moldy at some point, right? Don't tell me you haven't. You're not cleaner. You eat bread that fast. It's happened to you. That time that you had that, maybe it's just the first piece, right? It's just starting. Just starting. It's just that first piece that's right there. You still have 11 pieces left in that loaf. Do you take that piece away and throw it out and keep the rest? I think most people probably do. What would happen if you left that moldy piece of bread inside of that plastic bag inside your cupboard and left it there with the other ones? What happens? It spreads. Yeah, all of it gets moldy. It spreads. All of it gets moldy. Same thing happens. We get a cut on your leg or your arm and it gets infected and you do not treat it. It starts to spread. It starts to get worse. It's the same thing with our anger. The Lord says, do not let the sun go down on you while you're angry. Take care of it. Don't let it spread. Don't let it fester. Don't let it get worse. If you have ever had the privilege of paying off maybe a car loan or a a credit card that you had or a student loan, something that was weighing upon you, and that relief that all of a sudden was gone, it is very similar with our anger. Pay off that debt before the sun goes down. Get rid of it because it will spread not only in you, but to your family members and even to complete strangers in our world. Do not let the sun go down on you while you are angry. Number three, Paul says, and do not give the devil a foothold. Do not give the devil a foothold. I watched this uh, documentary with my wife that was called The Alpinist. It's about an individual who does these solo climbs, so just by himself, really high mountains, uh, super dangerous. It's great, but if you're afraid of heights, don't watch it. It's super scary even just watching on TV. But uh, what's so amazing isn't just the feats that he does, but it's the manner in which he does so. He takes his toe, and he can just get him on these small, little, tiny pieces of, of ledge. They are so small to be able to lift himself to the next point. Or to be able to take his hand and put it in the smallest fracture in these rocks, just the tip of his finger, to be able to pull himself up to the next level. When Paul tells us, do not let the devil get a foothold, he's saying that exact same thing. Watch out for that little frustration or that little fracture that's there between you and and a friend, between you and a, a temptation, Because the devil will use those things to climb to that next point, to be able to get higher and higher in your life, to be able to go after you more and more and more. Do not let the devil have that foothold. Paul goes on for us, and he says, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out from your mouth, uh, but only that which is helpful for building up others according to their needs, that they may benefit from who is listening. Uh, think about that. No unwholesome talk. Don't let that come out of your mouth. When you hear that uh, phrase, those two words, unwholesome talk, maybe you think about um, vulgar language. Uh, maybe you think about gossip. Uh, maybe you think about slander, none of which would be wrong. Those are all correct. However, as Christians, I don't know if we always think about 
this wide scope of um, unwholesome talk of what this could be like. There's a lot of things that we probably do or do not do that we should be either withholding from or acting on. And a lot of them have to do with the things that we say, the unwholesome talk that comes out of our mouths. Today, I wanted to give you an example of this. Pastor Mark told me, he's like, get out there and you need to offend these people in this unwholesome talk series. We got, we got to figure this out. Remember, you're not supposed to be offended, but I'm going to do my best to make it happen today. You ready? I am not, by the way. I don't want to say these things, but I'm going to go ahead and do it. We're going to take a quiz today. This is going to be difficult, both for you and for me. I'm going to share some truthful things about myself, and then the quiz is going to be, I want to know how you feel at the end of this. Let's start. You ready? Nobody is ready. <laughs> Let's start. I, Pastor Jeremy, uh, probably use less vulgar language than most of you. I bet I, bet I do. Number two, I, Pastor Jeremy, probably in my lifetime, have probably used uh, less drugs than most of you. Zero times, by the way. I've never taken drugs. Uh, I, Pastor Jeremy, uh, have a daughter that probably gets better grades than your kids and your grandkids. I'm glad you're laughing. This is super hard for me. I told Pastor Mark, I said, most people, I think, like me, but after this, we'll, we'll see what that, that looks like. Uh, number four, let's think of some other things. I, Pastor Jeremy, have probably had uh, less premarital relations than you. Again, my number is zero. Uh, I, Pastor Jeremy, probably do more in the community to be able to help just random strangers than you do. Uh, I, Pastor Jeremy, have probably baptized and saved more souls than you. Actually, probably all of you together, right? <laughs> That's enough. Let's stop there. This is ridiculous. Now, think about these things that I have told you today, all which are truthful, and now let's uh, take a little quiz together. Let me know how you feel. Super easy. It'll be multiple choice. After feeling these things, how do you feel about me? A, I am incredibly impressed with you, Pastor Jeremy. You're amazing, and I inspire to be just like you. Yeah, I got one hand. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. Number, number two, let's go for it. B, Pastor Jeremy, you may have meant well in this illustration, but I kind of want to punch you in the face. All right, I got two, three. Whoa, they're going up quick. All right, all right. Hang on, you guys might have jumped to it quick, too quick. Let's go, let's go with option C here. There is no kind of Pastor Jeremy. I just want to punch you in the face. All right, all right. Do you get my point there? The things that we try to tell other people that we think are truthful about us can be unwholesome talk. We are not here on this world to show that we are better than others. In fact, we are here to be able to show other people that we are just like them. They need to know that. All of those people need to know that these people are just like them. Because I can also stand up here today and I can tell you a whole list of other things of why I am not better than you in the times that I have failed worse than you. I promise you that. This isn't a game of comparison. You know what comparison does? We try to make ourselves look better. We try to make other people look worse. What do you think that does to their relationship with the Lord? It doesn't make them grow closer. Just as we saw Jesus never deny anybody his love and the gift of salvation because of the sin that they did, we should not deny any of those people in the world 
our love, thinking that we are better than them. Remember what the goal was that Paul told us, that we are supposed to build up others with our talk, with our actions, everything that we do. And it's not super hard. It's just something we have to put in practice. Building others up. You can do it, and I can do it. It's not just do-nots, though, that uh, we are talking about within this series. And Paul doesn't say, just don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. He tells us something that we should do, and actually it's better than all of those other do-nots combined. Paul goes on to say, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Think about that. Kind and compassionate. I don't have to give you a whole bunch of examples on how you can do this. I know you can figure this out in your life. How to be kind and compassionate to others. However, I did see an amazing example of this in the world uh, about a week ago now. We were out to eat, my wife and daughter and I, and on the TVs to the side uh, was a baseball game that was going on. And my daughter said, Dad, why are the baseball players so small? And I said, oh, it's because they're playing the Little League World, World Series. And so we were watching the game. And I had seen a, another game that was going on that week, too. This one was between Texas and Oklahoma. And they were playing. It was the very first inning. And uh, a young man was up pitching, and he threw the ball, and he, he hit the kid right in the head. It was, it was horrific. I was going to play the video today, but it was, it's actually so gut-wrenching, I decided not to show it. The kid's helmet flies off. Uh, he falls to the ground, and he's just rolling around, just French. It looked horrific. The young man uh, ended up being completely fine, and he stood up, and he shook it off, and everybody was cheering for him, and he even went to first base to be able to continue playing the rest of the game. Super impressive, super impressive. But the pitcher was just totally shaken up. He was so horrified, even by the accident that he had done and accidentally hitting this other kid in the head, he just, he couldn't, he couldn't go on. And so the child, who had been hit in the head, that was standing on first base, walked out to the mound and he embraced him and gave him some encouraging words. When he was first walking out there, people didn't know what he was going to do. Was he going to yell at him? Was he going to make fun of him for crying on the mound? Was he going to punch him in the face? What was going to, to happen? And he embraced him. He was kind. He was compassionate. And he was offering him forgiveness. We have the ultimate illustration of this in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, as Paul mentioned. The fact that when Jesus goes to bat for you and I, he takes a, a hard hit. The sin of you and I, these people, those people, the entire world, all placed upon his head at the exact same moment in time. And if anybody ever had justice for being able to come out and being able to swing and being able to yell and being able to put to death, it would have been Jesus. But instead, he takes that hit, he hangs upon the cross, he's kind, he's compassionate, and we remember those final words that he has for us when he says, Father, forgive them. He forgives you. He forgives me. Again, these people, those people, all people. We remember that as we are called to be kind and compassionate 
for a Lord who is kind, compassionate, and forgiving to us. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity uh, you give to us to be your disciples here on this earth. Uh, We ask today, Lord, that we will put these do-nots into practice, that we will not let Satan have a foothold in our life, that we will not let anger uh, be able to stir and breed within us, that we will get rid of it before the sun goes down. Lord, that we will not, even in our anger, uh, sin in any way. Lord, we also ask that you will be with us in being kind and compassionate to others as we daily remember the kindness, compassion, and uh, just forgiveness that you have for each and every one of us. Make that real in our lives today. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.